Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle. The Ellis fumbled the ball. Two on the shot clock goes up a prayer. Yes! As he was falling to the ground, it's a three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Billikens. Four on two. McCall, Ellis, left corner. Bang! From way down under, Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best. Stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat to the hole. He's fouled. Layup. Good. Whistle foul. Count the best. Ellis for the reverse. Oh, through fingertips. What a move. Ellis drops in a bomb. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out, feeling good. Ellis. Cody Ellis. Ellis, pull up jumper, Cody Ellis, bang, Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver, Cody Ellis. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome, Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another week. I'm back with my regular co-host and... Boy, is there plenty going on in the world of the NBL. There's some interesting things we're seeing in games, and hopefully we don't have too many delay of games during oh, this good, during yeah. this podcast, Cody. Um, that's something that's attracting a lot of attention across the league. We're seeing some teams do some interesting things at the end of games, which we'll we'll talk about. We've seen some birthday boys hit hit some match winning shots. The New Zealand Breakers just keep winning and just keep clamping down teams. The Perth Wildcats didn't respond to Matty Knight's challenges last week and are still struggling. We saw three overtime periods across round five in the NBL. We'll go through our awards with the Galen, the Player of the Year and the Damo Award here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for this week. I'm Chris Pike, but I'm back with Cody Ellis, my co-host, and good to be with you, Cody. And Boy, oh boy, is there plenty to get through. Oh, there sure is. Uh, good to be back, man. Um, appreciate Maddie for uh, taking my place last mm-hmm. week. Man, what a round of basketball it was this weekend. Mm. It sure was. It's almost difficult to know where to start. And I, I'm, I'm tempted to start on the thing that probably grabbed your attention the most, especially when it started to get out of control on Saturday night, Cody. Um, Adam Ford was... Tongue in cheek when he started his press conference on the weekend, saying that there'll be no no delay of games. He'll be he'll be handing out infringements for anybody that doesn't doesn't help his press conference move along smoothly. Yeah, um, it's it's probably not the ideal way to start, but let's get it off off our chest, Cody. Yep. Has the officiating to enforce these delay of game warnings gone a little bit too far? Oh, it's gone too far and then some, mate. It's <laughs> uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I don't couldn't tell you another league around the world that you know, having a shot after the whistle mm-hmm. basically straight after the whistle mm. is a delay of game. Sometimes um, it's not that far off actually being continuation. Well, exactly. That's how close some of these shots are. Yeah, exactly. And it's just gotten to a ridiculous point. And it delays the game more than the actual shot itself mm. does. Yeah. I, I don't see why, especially having a shot after, after a whistle, is a delay of game because most of the time the ref has to go to the bench, you know, mm-hmm. signal whose foul it is on and all that sort of stuff. Yep. By the time... They get back, the ball's there, ready to play, even if a player has taken a shot. Hmm. It's just, it's gotten way out of hand, and it's just, um, it's very frustrating. And I, I know we're not the Lone Rangers here, because it's, uh, <laughs> yes. it's been the talk of the town hmm. uh, over the past couple of weeks. If you were playing, and this is happening, how frustrating would it be, even if you're on the opposition team, because... Like you said, what the players are doing isn't necessarily delaying the game, but mm. then the referee makes this call. Like you said, he goes and does talks to the bench and they have to, you know, 
record the foul and then you actually have to stop the game to go and take the foul mm-hmm. shot and then you come back to the sideline and take the ball out of bounds. I mean, if you're playing, how frustrating would it be? Oh, very frustrating. And it's just a lot, you know. It's it's just one extra thing that the refs have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got enough on their plate. They don't need to worry about that sort of stuff. I get it if you throw it full court to the other end. Like, yeah. that's different. But these little, even just little shots inside the keyway mm-hmm. become a delay of game. And it's just... Like you said, it's gotten way out of hand and I think they need to reel back on it real quick. What do you think their aim was in doing it in the first place? Did they have the right intentions and they're just doing it wrong or what do you think? Honestly, I have no idea. It's, <laughs> that has never sparked me as a point in the game where it's delayed it no. by any stretch of the imagination. It's not. Um, so, yeah, I, honestly, I have zero idea. I, I'm not sure what their thought process was. Um, I'm not sure what they were trying to stop. But, I mean, all they've done is, is a bit of a negative, I think. You're right. It doesn't ever feel like something that has delayed a game, like the things that they are clamping down on. Um, have you ever played in a game where you have felt like the opposition does something like take an extra shot or doesn't give the ball straight back to you after a basket or something like that to delay a game? Or is it something that just didn't really need to be looked at? Not after a whistle like that, no. Mm. Like, I, I, I understand not touching it after a bucket. I get that. Yeah. You know, even that's become... You know, very strong. Well, because sometimes know. it just falls into your hand. Well, it does, it does. Play. And the amount of times that it falls into your hand and you kind of <laughs> drop it away, thinking, yeah. you know, pleading uh, not guilty. Mm. And it's just, yeah. So even, even that's gotten a bit too strict, but I understand that one. Mm. The shots, you know, a second after the whistle mm. has just gotten absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. All right. All right. We got that off our chest, Cody. <laughs> so let's get to some other things that might have frustrated you before we get to some more positive things out of the weekend, because it was a hell of a weekend of basketball. We talked about this when you came on board the show last last season, Cody. Mm-hmm. If a team is either one point behind or two points behind or e- even equal, why in this modern game do they seem to feel like they need to shoot a three-pointer no, no matter the score at the end of a game? It just it seems to be the thing, doesn't it? Mm. And, you know, we, we harped on it three or four or five even episodes last year yep. where it just kept happening. Mm. One point down, take a three to win it, you know. I do sometimes understand being two point down and going for the win. Mm-hmm. That yep, one yep, I understand, sure. yep. right? Um, but yeah, one point game. Mm. There's no, there's no reason you should take a three unless there is nine guys in the keyway <laughs> and one yeah. person wide open on the three. Other than that, there's no way you should be shooting a three. Mm. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, why do you think the Wildcats went for that three pointer, Bryce Cotton? You got a good drive at the end of that game against the South East Melbourne Phoenix on Friday night. Probably would have finished the layup if he tried to. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel like he dished it out to Luke Travers and then obviously Travers passed it on to Todd Blanchfield? I, I couldn't tell you. I, I think, um, especially this year, Bryce has looked to be um, a bit more of a distributor mm-hmm. than, than in the past, which I think is great because, you know, they struggle with their ball movement right now. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, to having your, your main guy, your main scorer... Being that distributor, I think, is probably good for them. Mm. But at, at that point in the game, he got two feet in the paint, you know, had his defender kind of on his side, mm. help side under the rim. All he needs to do is shoot his little teardrop in there and, mm. and it's game over because that goes down. Yeah. 99% of the time, that is going down. And if he doesn't, it's probably a pretty good chance he gets fouled. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, yeah, look, kick out to Travers who was... You know, he was open, had a defender closing out on him, kicking it to Toddy, who, if you hadn't 
choice between those two to shoot it, you'd probably pick Todd to shoot it. Yeah, it, it was a good look in the end. It was. Yeah. It was an open look from a guy that has, has made a living, you know, shooting that shot. But I, I still just, I'm, I am baffled at why Bryce didn't just shoot that. That's what he's paid to do. Yeah. Especially end of the game, you know, you're the guy. You have to be the guy. You have to step up. You have to make it. Mm. You miss it, that's fine. Mm. You know, everyone on the team knows that that is your time to shine. Sure. So he's proved it so many times. He's Absolutely. done it with big sure, plays yeah. so many times throughout his career in the NBL. And yeah, look, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm still at a bit of a loss at why he didn't shoot that one. Another, another thing I'm at a loss about still, Cody, at the end of the game, regulation time between the Hawks and mm-hmm. Melbourne United on Saturday night. Five seconds left on the clock, Melbourne inbounds the ball and for some reason feel like they don't need to get a shot off and they dribble out the time, dribble mm-hmm. out the last five seconds, don't get a shot off and it's still in the backcourt between Radden Mays and Dave Barlow. Is that just a mistake or what the hell happened? Oh, God. That was... I, I still think Barlow thought that they were up a point. Yeah. It's inexcusable not to get a shot up. <laughs> Like, yeah. especially with five and a half seconds left, yep. Yep. you know, like really well done by, you know, the Hawks getting there and, and mm. making the play. Mm. But so long left. Yeah. That's so, you can get to the ring. Yep. Barlow can get to the ring even. Hey, he had time to take it the full length of the floor. He did, yeah. you know. He passed it in to, to Rattan Mays, kicked it back over to Barlow because he had a defender on him mm. and Barlow just stood there. I know. And it's, I just... Is it possible that they just really did get the score wrong? Is that possible? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's really the only explanation that I can mm. think of. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's no way. Bala had no one in front of him. Could have punched it up the court. Tucker was on, on the weak side. Then yep. you had, I think, uh, Goulding yep. down, the, down the line there. But even Barlow running down the court and pulling up even for a three mm-hmm. if, if there isn't enough time left. Sure. That has to happen. There's, there's no way you can't get a shot up. Yeah. Tie ball game with five seconds to go. So, yeah, that was a uh, bit of a brain fade. Because of that, how relieved would they been, even though it took two overtimes to, oh. to end up winning the game? Yeah, yeah, I think very much so. And you could hear it in Rattan May's voice mm. during the uh, post-game. Yeah. Uh, little talk he had. Oh, man, he was, he was tough. Was. He was very good. You remember what you were doing on your 25th birthday, Cody? It probably wasn't hitting the game winner against your old team at... Kudos Bank Arena for the Sydney Kings. Yeah, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I couldn't tell you what I was doing, but it certainly wasn't that. Mm. That's what Coat and I did. And I think he really enjoyed that occasion against the Taipans to have that moment. He's someone that's been a little bit maligned over the years mm. and his body's let him down for the last two years. He's not, he's not afraid to talk up a big game, but if he can come step up and deliver like that, then he, mm. can, he can turn himself into a really good NBL player still. Oh, he certainly talks the talk. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think... It was a point to go to him because out of the timeout, they went to him in, under the rim. They went to him under the rim and it yep. kind of got blocked and deflected out. Yep. So that was, that was their plan, was, mm. was to go to him. Yep. And then just defence on the weak side just got caught falling asleep and mm-hmm. Brucey made a really good knock, a really pass. good pass. Yep. Um, frozen rope straight across the court, under the rim, straight into his hands and cashed it. Yep. It, was, uh, it looked good as soon as it left his hands. Um, so... Uh, look, pretty good little birthday present. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, fascinated about your thoughts on Keanu Pinder as well. Um, he had another another good night against the Kings for the Taipans, but I was fascinated talking to him after the game and listening, and he was asked about the challenge of taking on Xavier Cooks in the Sydney Kings front court, and he basically felt like 
wasn't a challenge for him because he feels like he's the best big man in the league right now. And I, I've got no problem with that. I, I love a guy that's got that confidence. But he also felt like if he didn't foul out with five minutes to go in that game, that the Taipans would have won the game. Um, I know Adam Ford, the coach, felt like they blew that game as well. Mm-hmm. Do you like a player believing in himself to, to that degree? Oh, absolutely. I think so. And look, I, I don't think he's wrong in saying that no, because he's, he's been, you know, such a, a big impact on that team and just really their enforcer. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're right. If he's out there, I think it's a different ball game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think it's really good, especially coming from a guy who was not getting any time two mm-hmm. seasons ago and now is probably one of the best big yeah. men in the league. Yeah, look, self-belief and self-confidence is, is a great thing. And, um, you know, as long as you don't push it too far. Sure. But uh, you certainly need that at the pro- professional level. All right, Cody, that's a, that's a big way to start the show. Let me run through the results that we saw in round five and then we can go into things a little bit deeper on some, some topics and some good and bad things that teams are doing right now. So it started back on Thursday night. Feels like a lifetime ago, but the, the Brisbane Bullets, the second straight massive win over the Illawarra Hawks, this time at home, 86 to 61. And then, this is an amazing result in Adelaide. New Zealand Breakers against the Adelaide 36ers, yeah. 99 to 70. Not just the fact they won, but that is an incredible scoreline, you know, from an Adelaide point of view that we expected such big things from. Yep. And then second up on Friday night, we saw a thriller in Perth and the South East Melbourne Phoenix, Phoenix came and got the job done again, 91 to 90. Then the double overtime game on Saturday, Melbourne United 106 to 100 over the Hawks. And then that thriller that we talked about with Coat Noy hitting the, the, the winner, the Sydney Kings over the Cairns Taipans 106 to 103. And then again, New Zealand Breakers on, on Sunday 94 to 62 over the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, another, another thriller that went to overtime against the Adelaide 36 is 103 to 98. And lastly, Monday night, Melbourne United, 94-77 to 77 over the Perth Wildcats. Do you want to start, Cody, with the positives of the New Zealand Breakers or the negatives of how the Perth Wildcats are going right now? Let's go positive. All right. We've had enough negative already <laughs> in this show, so let's go positive with, uh, with New Zealand. They're playing as a team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that, that seems like a given, but it's not always a given. You can tell a team that isn't cohesive as a unit but we've talked a, a couple of times on the show now they're just having fun together they've clearly bonded they're playing for their coach they're playing as a unit they've bought in defensively in their six games that they won they've only conceded 66 points a game and again we saw this weekend what they did to both Adelaide and Tasmania they just shut them down defensively and then they find enough ways to get the job done offensively I mean they're just they're playing as a unit I mean the best thing I can say about them is that they're just playing as a team and they've put together a roster that just complements each other mm-hmm. so well. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's fun to see, especially mm-hmm. after the you know past two seasons mm-hmm. that they've, they've had to endure. And yeah, look, it, it's it's awesome to see. Um, I think New Zealand and Tassie are probably the two best defensive teams in the league mm-hmm. by a long way. Yeah. Um, and it shows. It shows. Um, you know, like I said, sixty six point seven points a game in in their wins is mm-hmm. is huge yeah. to, to hold teams to that, and then. To just, I guess, stem from their defense into their offense. You know, that team is is very well suited for that. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're long, athletic. They're they're all smart players, and you're right. They all just they're all bought in. They're playing for the coach, playing for each other, um, and just having fun. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they look like they're having more fun than anyone else. Mm. Um, and yeah, it it really is showing. So I think uh, I think they've got a, a legit team and. Yeah, right now they're 
Yeah, certainly a bit of a surprise packet so far yeah. for me. Sitting on top of the table. Yeah. Does that surprise you? It does a little bit. It does a little bit. Look, I didn't think that they were going to be as good as they are this early in the season. Yep. So, but it's, it's awesome to see. And, you know, again, this is such a defensive league. I think yeah. to be good in this league, you have to be a good defensive unit. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's certainly proving with, with them on top. Almost everything you said there is the opposite of what's happening with the Perth Wildcats, unfortunately, right now. We talked about it with Matty Knight last week, and he talked about the concerns he's got, I guess, on and off the court with the team. But he talked about how they have no one on that team that gives them that defensive leadership. And Mm -hmm. that became even more obvious, I think, this weekend. And they've lost four straight games now for the first time since 2018. And some some real concerns because they've now got two more tough games this weekend on a a short break going to the the fever window. And... Mm -hmm. The pressure's starting to build. Yeah, it is. And there's there's no secret that when the Cats were in their success, that they were the best defensive team Mm. in the league, you know, and they were for so long. And you're right, they just just don't play cohesive right now, Um, which is very odd to see um, a Perth team like that because that's always kind of what they've hung their hat on. And, you know, they're they're a team full of of very quiet guys. Um, And I think... There needs to be that leader who is going to be um, responsible for calling people out, mm-hmm. for, for making sure people are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Not sure who that needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, for mine, it probably needs to be Nordo, yeah. being that defensive leader out there for them. Um, it's hard to do it when you don't have that as a natural part of your no. character, isn't it, though? So, Tim Conrad talked about it with the Hawks as well. Yep. They probably have the exact same issue where they yep. don't have that guy to do it either, and right. that's... It's hard to. It's just hard to create that person if you don't automatically have them as part of your team. Oh, for sure, and that's where Kev White, mm-hmm. you know, he he's one of those guys. You know, it doesn't matter if he's on the court or off the court. Mm-hmm. He's talking. You know, he's he's in your ear. He's he's telling you what's good, what's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why he and Scott Morrison bonded so well yeah. because he gave Scott Morrison a leader on that team. Yep, for sure, for sure. And you know, there, there's no secret that teams need that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look, it, it's tough, and it's it's very odd seeing the cats like this because you know we're, no one's used to seeing them like this. So look, I think massive weekend for them ahead because, mm-hmm. like you said, going into the fever window, if they drop another two or even one of these two, yeah. then uh, there's going to be alarm bells going off if there isn't already. The elephant in the room is the import situation, mm-hmm. and I I wanted to compare it. They're, they're three imports with the three imports from the breakers yep. because I think it's an interesting comparison because I think both teams had the exact same idea when they were putting their three imports together. Yep. So they both went for a, a big guy who was a defensively-minded big guy mm-hmm. who could rebound and, and give them that presence and the breakers have got Derek Pardon who's doing a fantastic really job. job. And I think Tashon Thomas is now doing a pretty good job now that he's getting mm-hmm. healthy. They both then went for a, a scoring-focused four-man. Yep. So the breakers got Jarrell Brantley, and he's doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. He's, he gives great energy, and he's scoring when he needs to. The Wildcats went for Brady Mannix straight out of college, and unfortunately it's not working mm-hmm. right now. And then both teams have got that scoring guard as, a, as an import. Bryce Cotton, we know, and then Barry Brown's doing a great job mm-hmm. with the breakers. So I think they've got this, a very similar makeup with the three sure. imports. Right now the breakers are getting perfect service out of their three. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Brady Mannix the one that's probably sticking out right now. Yeah, it, and, you know, coming into the season, I thought he was a great pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, midway through the NCAA last year, when he was with North Carolina, I was saying how perfect he would fit mm-hmm. in the NBL system. Yeah. That big stretch four can probably play that five-man if need be, be a bit undersized, but, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, kind of mobile, but can shoot the hell out of the ball. Mm -hmm. He just hasn't found his rhythm. You know, he hasn't found his rhythm, whether it's first year out of college, different country, all that sort of stuff. Lots, lots of things come into play, but he just has not found his rhythm. And it, it, his body language has been very negative. And no. you can understand because he's so down on himself. For sure. He's, he would have high standards for himself and he knows he's not delivering. So you understand that, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I guess you can't let it show that publicly, can you? No, no. And, you know, as, as a scorer, if you're, your shot's not falling, if, if you're struggling to find rhythm, you need to find other ways to impact the game, right? And he is letting his offensive woes dictate how he plays. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. If he still goes and gets 10 rebounds a game yeah. and he only scores two points, then it doesn't matter. He's done a, he, he's at least contributed yeah, in, the, in the game. He's done his job. But what, what concerned me on Friday night especially was that he struggled to score. He only had four points in his seven and a half minutes, but he, yeah. he had zero rebounds. Yeah. He actually had no, no stat at all. Mm -hmm. he, he had donuts right across the board, which is, I think, the biggest concern. I think so. I think so. And look, the NBL is no joke. It is a legitimate league and, you know, you hear Homicide talk mm -hmm. about it all the time, saying it's not a cupcake league. And it's, it's not. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that it really shows where you, where you are in your basketball career, like where you're playing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I follow guys like um, one of my teammates at Sydney, Kendrick Perry, mm -hmm. right? Yep. He came to the NBL pretty much straight out of college, I believe. I think he still, he, might, has, he still has nightmares about Damien Martin, does, doesn't he? does, exactly. I think he had about 10 turnovers that game here, and mm -hmm. I still remember that vividly. Mm -hmm. And look, he came into the league and, you know, he had all the tools. You know, he was quick, long, athletic, could shoot. Mm -hmm. Didn't play very well when he was here, mm -hmm. right? He's now, in Europe, absolutely killing it. Mm -hmm. You know, he's on the FIBA highlights all the time. He's, he's killing it. Mm -hmm. I think straight out of college is a tough place to play especially if you're a sole focus. So I'm not sure how they get him involved or get him into the game more, whether they try and run plays for him. You know, you heard Creaky last night talking about he needs to go into huddles and say, look, run a play for me and pick and pop. That's tough to do first thing out of college, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have the confidence yeah. to do that yet. Yeah. But I think they need to figure out how to get him going because you know, he, he can be really good in this league. But as an import, you need to show that pretty much straight away, otherwise you're gone. And look, I think they do end up making a move. I think right now he would be the guy that you'd have to move on. How close to that decision do you think, do you think they are? It's obviously, they don't have time to do it before. No. They're two games this weekend. They play on Thursday night, then they've got a trip to Adelaide on Saturday night. But then it's the FIBA window. Mm -hmm. Is it at a point now where he needs to save his job in the next two games? I think it has to be. And I don't think the Cats management will let the same thing happen as last year in keeping their import around who they don't think is making an impact. Mm. So, yeah, look, I think it's a big weekend for him. Mm. It's a big weekend for the team, but it's certainly a big weekend for him. Problem is now, they might be competing for the same type of play with Melbourne United. You might, they might be both searching for a very similar similar new import. Yeah, absolutely. So, And, look, it's, it's that time of year where it's, there's not a whole lot of players going around. You know, leagues have started everywhere around the world and it's tough. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of work. Illawarra Hawks are in a similar situation. They've now lost six straight, even though there was better signs against Melbourne when they took it to double overtime. Do you see any hope for them for, for the rest of this season? They're struggling. They are struggling big time. Um, 
Yeah, look, like like you said about Timmy saying, very similar thing to the Cats and mm. they don't have that defensive leader or that guy that is willing to call you out if mm. you're not doing the right thing mm. or be that vocal leader. Kev is there, on, but he looks like he's more on the coaching staff now yeah. than, um, than anything else. So. Well, neither Kev or Tim Conrad play on, no. on Saturday night. No, exactly. So, and, you know, it, it's tough, right? They had a better showing against Melbourne. But well, was that less opposition they might have come up against as well? well? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't think Melbourne is at the level they need to be yet either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think you know, it's a tough one. It is a tough one because, you know, especially with a team like that, who probably doesn't have the same funds as, mm. as, a, as a bigger team to try and chase a new import or, you know, try and bring someone else in. Mm. But, uh, well, I asked the same question of, of Maddie last week. Is George King a luxury they probably can't afford to carry for too much longer? Yeah. Do, do they need a bigger bigger body to help Sam Froland? Probably. I think they probably do. You know, and that's where they had Harry in there as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. as they did last year. Who's actually playing really playing well for really Brisbane. Well, which yeah. is awesome to see, you know. And again, it's part of that. Given the right opportunity, then you can flourish. And so I think he'd be the perfect fit for him because <laughs> yeah. he's that bigger body to go to go help his brother yeah, out. But, um, no, look, I, I do think they need that bigger body because, um, yeah, they just... They are struggling big time. The team that isn't struggling are the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They've now won four straight and they've done it since they've had their full squad together. Yep. And, you know, we talked about it last week and I really like Gary Brown as yeah. their point guard. He just gives them that gives them that direction and he finds the shooters and he just he looks so calm with the ball in, he, in his hands. And I, I like that what he's doing to, to find his, his teammates. And mm-hmm. Alan Williams is someone that has responded to a slow start and he's been terrific. Yes. Um, Mitch Creek is playing at an MVP level and... Yep. I think we'll see Matty Knight probably agrees when we get to his Player of the Year voting later on. And, you know, Trey Kell stepped up, played his best game. They've still got Joe Chi, who's still finding his feet. And when he, you know, finds his his group, he'll be another weapon for them as well. They're a team that goes... I mean, Ryan Brokoff is now playing great as well and yes. has found his shot. You know, and Kyle Adam, Adam had such a great start. There's so many players on that team. They're so deep and, you know, they're going, they're going to be tough to stop. Oh, for sure. And that was always the question mark coming into the season is can they stay healthy? Yep. You know, can they actually get their full roster on the, on the floor mm. and they have and yeah. there's, there's no reason why they should, aren't winning these games you know they're a tough unit they've got everything they need you know once they get Joe Chi going mm. then you know, they're, they're going to be tough to stop and they become a legit contender all of a sudden mm. yeah I mean it, it's it's good to see because they've actually got a full squad yeah. you know it's, yeah. it's uh, you never want to see teams you know down and out because of injuries and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's good to see. And, and I think uh, they're a legit force when they, when they do have a full roster. Yeah, they, they sure are. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on Melbourne United. We touched on them just, just then, but um, they won their, their two games this weekend against the Hawks and the Wildcats. And they got Shea back, and I think they instantly looked a better team with him in, in the lineup. Interesting that they didn't have Jordan Caroline, and I don't think we'll see him again. Whether he gets healthy or not, I think they'll be finding his replacement over the fever window, and, and we won't see him again. But they'll get Mason Peatling back. But they're backcourt now with Ratton Mays and, and Tucker finding his groove, even coming off the bench now yeah. as well, you know, and Golding as well. Did you see some better signs from them? Do you think they can, they can still you know, be around the mark if they... If they can stay healthy and get the right fit to replace Caroline? Yeah, and look, I've been saying it for the past couple of weeks. Once Shea is inserted into that team, they're difficult. In saying that, I think Retard Mays has done an unbelievable mm-hmm. job. I think he's been really good, kind of their shining light in these mm-hmm. past few weeks. Um, 
you're right, Tucker is now starting to find his game a bit, and um, he's tough. He's tough. You know, once he gets going, he's, he's going to be good. I think he's especially good if he's not the point guard. If he plays yeah. as the two guard, yeah. he's, he's really dangerous. Definitely, definitely. He is bouncy. Goodness <laughs> me. Yes. Um, some of those dunks over the weekend were ridiculous. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I think there are better signs from them, mm. definitely. And once Shea gets his feet under him and is really inserted into that uh, lineup, I think, I think they're definitely, uh, definitely tough. And you're right with, with Jordan Carroll. I think we've seen the last of him mm-hmm. in a United jersey. So I would expect them to uh, to find someone different. You think he actually does have a hamstring injury right now? Oh, I found that kind of bemusing when they yeah. came out and said that. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I don't know what some of these teams do. Yeah. When, so it's, it's uh, very interesting. Mm. Fascinated to get your take on the Adelaide 36ers mm-hmm. right now. So much talent on that team, but it's individual talent right now. Yes. They're not playing as a team just yet, but they've still been able to sneak out a couple of wins, but they're two and three. Um, I was bewildered when Homicide last week came out and said that their import trio is the best that there ever has been ever. in the in the NBL ever, and yeah. that and that was um, three games into their life together, and then they go out and lose two more games. Yeah. What, what, what do you make of what you're seeing from them yeah, right now? I think you hit the nail on the head with just two individuals right now, I think. They can be a lot better than they are, um, but it all comes down to their ball movement. And, you know, it's, it's very much uh, come down the court, run an on-ball, maybe kick it to the second side, maybe run a second on-ball, and that's kind of as far as it goes. Yeah. I think they need to be a lot more... There needs to be a lot more movement off the ball for them, getting guys coming off pin-downs and turnouts. And if you're scrambling all over the floor, all of a sudden... All those guys are legitimate threats, yeah. and instead of being able to bolster your defense and you know sink in the way teams have been doing, and yeah, look, I think if they can figure it out, I don't think they're overhyped. No. But I think as of right now, if they're going to continue this way of playing, then yeah, they are hmm. um, because Franks isn't hitting stride yet. He's kind of been a bit of a moot point for this yeah, team yeah. so far. Uh, even DJ, I think career low numbers yeah. for numbers for him in Adelaide too. Yeah, definitely. And you know, those guys need the ball. And being four men, they're not going to go and create for themselves. Um, you know, you've seen a couple of times where DJ's got it in the post and he said, "Stuff it, I'm taking it." Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No surprise, he's gone out and got buckets. Sure. Because that's what he's done his whole career. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think just ball movement needs to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you look at even guys like Sunday who. Last year, I thought was really good for them. This year is is kind of taken a backward step, and whether that's because of the guys that they've brought in, and he feels like he needs to take that backward step. But no, look, I think if they can figure it out, they'll be tough. But they need to figure it out quickly. With, with Cleveland Sunday and McCarran on the team, I think we thought they might be better defensively than yeah. they are right now too. Yeah, they seem to be that team that tries to just outscore you. Yeah. They don't really try on that defensive end, mm. which is which is very odd with, with especially those three guys that you mentioned because well, they gave up two hundred and two points this weekend. Well, exactly. You know, the three guys that you mentioned are some of the better defenders in the league. Mm. And to have them on the same team, but the team not be very good defensively is uh, is a bit interesting and mm. it's uh, certainly something that can't keep trending in that direction because they'll all of a sudden find themselves not even in the six. <laughs> and will it sets up a Absolutely massive game Saturday night when they host the Wildcats. Can't wait for that one. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up a lot of what we saw in round five. Cody, did yep. anything else jump out that we might want to touch on before we get to our awards for this week? 
No, I don't think so, mate. I think we've touched on everything. It's uh, like I said, it was a heck of a round of basketball. So uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this round coming is the same. Okay, it's time for our awards segment here this week on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And it was a fascinating round five of the NBL, as we've just been through with, with Cody here on the show. Let's get to our awards because there was plenty of players that put their hands up, but there was one player that stood out. So let's start with our Galen winner for this week, the best team man in the NBL. So this man is the guy who helps his team win, win a game or games in any weekend that doesn't necessarily need to be the highest scoring player, doesn't need to necessarily stand out on the box score, but just helps his team win. Similar to what Galen Young did during his playing career, including helping the Perth Wildcats win a championship in 2010. So there was, a, there was two men that, when we were discussing this with Scott Ninnis, who stood out, the Adelaide 36ers legend. So he's he's the man in charge of this award for this, this year. And, and Cody and I are going to catch up with Scott for a more in-depth chat later this week leading into Saturday night's Adelaide-Perth game which will be fascinating. So stay tuned for that later in the week. But in terms of the Galen winner, we narrowed it down. Sean Bruce from the Sydney Kings, the 260-game veteran. He, he he was so good in that second half against the Cairns Taipans that he he kept Derek Walton, the one of the MVP favourites, on the bench for that second half. And he closed the game out, hit some massive shots and made that winning pass at the end of the game to Court Noy. He was outstanding. The other man was Xavier ratton who is in an outstanding patch of form for Melbourne United. His two performances this weekend, firstly against the Illawarra Hawks, his old team, 32 points, seven rebounds, four assists in that double overtime game, and he was instrumental in his team winning. And then, even more instrumental on Monday night against the Perth Wildcats, he had 25 points, 10 rebounds, five steals, three assists, just outstanding at both ends of the floor. Just an incredible weekend from from the Melbourne United Garden. He, naturally, is our winner of the Galen Award for Round 5 here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Now, moving on to the Damo Award, the best defensive player in the NBL. The votes are in from the defensive legend himself, Damian Martin, who is happy to help us out here on the show again this year. And his one vote for Round 5 in the Best Defensive Player Award went to Melbourne United young gun David Aquera started both games this weekend against the Hawks and the Wildcats. He's got the nod ahead of Jordan Caroline, who's out now and probably won't return. And until a new import arrives, he's holding down that four spot very, very nicely. And his numbers might not stand out, but he's having a massive impact. Some of those block shots, especially against the Perth Wildcats, were outstanding. And Damien Martin noticed. So he's given him the one vote for this week. The two votes in the Best Defensive Player Award for this week. Goes to the Sydney Kings big man, Xavier Cooks. Another big game from him against the Cairns Taipans where he had 18 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Outstanding game all around for him. And that actually takes him to the top of the leaderboard in the Demo Award for this year. But the three votes for round five, it again goes to Melbourne United's Xavier ratton Mays, who just goes to show what a massive impact he had this weekend, both offensively and defensively, that Demo noticed him, gave him the three votes in the Demo Award. Now when we come back... We'll catch up with Matty Knight for his Player of the Year awards. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and I'm with my co-host from last week, Matty Knight. Thanks for joining me again, Matty, and I enjoyed the catch-up with you last week and being able to pick your brain for the for the full hour. We we had some some fun background noise with your, with your kids keeping our company. Um, did you enjoy that experience? Oh, it was good fun. Um, no, I really enjoyed uh, getting out and sitting 
and talk about uh, basketball. It was a really good time. Kids especially enjoyed it. <laughs> they did. Um, we got a lot of feedback about your comments over the Perth Wildcats and your, your, I guess, your frustration over the lack of culture and how they no longer have that defensive bite about them. Boy, did that even become more obvious over, over this past weekend. Yeah, no, you can tell they're, they're a team without an identity right now. Um, uh, obviously, uh, two losses, probably should have won the, the southeast game. And then, yes, the last night's game, there's just no intensity on the defensive end. They'd make a run offensively, but Melbourne would just go down and execute whatever they wanted. So, it's disappointing to see. Well, um, what first Wildcats were known for is their intensity on the defensive end and you knew you were in for a dogfight for 40 minutes when you when you play a Perth Wildcat team. So um, hopefully they can turn it around, but it'll be a, yeah, otherwise it could be a long season. Um, it's a tough league, and mm. if teams can score at will, you're already behind eight ball. Now, before we get to your votes on the Player of the Year Award, thanks to Hoop7, on the other side of the side of the, the equation, the New Zealand Breakers, they were your great rivals during your, your playing career, Maddie, and they've got back to that identi- identity that they did have back when they were winning championships. They're, they're playing as a team. They're the best defensive team in the league and they're winning games and they're all, they've all brought into to playing together. They're almost the opposite of what I guess you talked about with how the Wildcats are going right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's almost uh, similar to uh, Tasmania last year. Yeah. Um, they just got after it on the defensive end um, and made it t- hard for opposition. The whole Tassie to 25 points mm. and a half and 64 for the game. Um, that's very impressive, and uh, I think that they, they're a team with an identity, and they know what they stand for, and everybody's bought into their roles. Yeah. Um, see Barry Brown come off the bench. He's happy with he's happy with that. He knows what his role is for that team. Yeah, now they're playing some really good basketball right now, and it's great to see New Zealand after the last couple of years being on the road and struggling to be playing some really good basketball, and you can just see they're really enjoying their basketball right now. That's from the coach. You just mm-hmm. watch his energy on the sideline, he's up and about, jumping around screaming, and it's contagious, and it flowed all the way down through the team. You're a famously pretty a pretty quiet sort of guy, and you keep your emotions in check, Maddie, especially when you were playing. How would you find playing under a coach like Modi, who's so so over the top and so energetic, but at the same time, I think he's so good for his players. I think they all love him. Uh, I, I think most guys would probably love playing under a coach like that. You know he's got your back. He's got his best interest in you. Um, and you see your coach up and about, makes you want to step up and have that same energy. Um, if your coach can do it, you can do it. So I think that's um, always seen a lot of success in New Zealand so early. And it's crazy. It's his first head coaching gig too, isn't it? He's, um, he's, he's loving life, it looks like. And uh, that whole organization's loving life right now. Yeah, they, they are. I imagine we might might see them feature in your votes as well, Maddie. but I'm, I'm not too sure. We'll get to your votes now, thanks to Hoop7 in the Player of the Year Award. Let's start with your one vote. After a pretty fascinating round, a lot of guys stepped up, so you didn't have an easy job this week. You know, it was a tough one this week. Um, obviously, when teams play two games, one guy might have a really good mm. game one week, one game, and then not so. But um, a one vote, Sean Bruce. He was amazing for Sydney. He uh, in that second half, especially when the import went down, Walton he really stepped up, and uh, it looks like he's got uh, Buford's trust big time. Um, he's there at the end of the game. He made pass Noy for the yep. the game with the shot, and Sean hit some big shots as well. Absolutely, um, and he's playing some really good basketball. He's just getting better as he's aging. 
Yeah, I think that's a great great pickup. He, he he was absolutely instrumental in that second half, and he was he was the reason why they didn't even need to go back to Derek Walden down the stretch because he was playing playing so well. I think that's a, a great pickup. What about the two votes? Two votes. I'm going with uh, Ryan Brokaw. Mm. He uh, I think the third quarter first played him into form. Um, <laughs> and, uh, when Mitch Creek was out, and he uh, he stepped up big time. Uh, I think it was like 12 points in the third quarter or whatnot. Yep. Um, and a pull-up uh, three one-on-one transition, he's obviously playing with a lot of confidence. So, And then next game against um, Adelaide, he was just as big. He yeah. that big. Four point down at the end, yeah. So if he keeps playing like that, yeah, Southeast Melbourne are going to be a very tough team because a lot of firepower on that team already. And you throw Ryan in there, makes them even more dangerous. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, great pick-up again, Matty. What about the three votes? Three votes. He's um, the big fella from New Zealand, uh, Derek Pardon. Yep. Yeah, he was. Um, he's been fantastic for New Zealand. He's really anchored the middle for them, and he was no different uh, against Tassie as well. He almost had a double double in the first half. It's just like we said earlier, they're playing their roles and they know what what they have to do to help their team succeed. And that was him. He's been very tough and. If he continues to play that way, um, you'll really help New Zealand. Yeah, totally agree. I asked um, Modi Mayor about him after the game on the weekend as well, just because he's such gives them that just such a presence at both ends of the floor as that big guy, and it just it just helps everything if you, if you've got that. So I think that's a another great ob- observation, Matty. The four votes. Uh, Mitch Creek. Mm. Yeah, no, he was uh, fantastic again. He's had a really good season, obviously. Had an interrupted pre-season, but um, he's starting to play himself into some form. And come over here, it's every kid's dream to step up and knock two free throws to win a game. And he did it like he's done it a lot of times before. So, like I said about Ryan, you've got Mitch, Ryan, Gary Brown, Trey Tell, yeah. Big Fell, Alan Williams. There's a, there's a lot of scoring power on that team. And, yeah, I think they uh, this year could be their year to really push for a, a top four and maybe make a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, and it's amazing that he's doing it, like you said, off that limited preparation, but he's also not 100% healthy right now either. He's still battling a foot injury and he's not even be, he's not even able to train right now, but he's playing at, a, at an incredibly high level. Um, all right, Matty, that leads us to your five votes. He uh, probably had a moment you'd want to forget at the end of the fourth quarter up in Illawarra, but uh, going Xavier Ricard Mays, he had a big weekend. He... Uh, I'm not sure what was going through the mind when um, Tyler Harvey hit that massive three, tied it up, and yes. then he dribbled out of the clock. Um, but no, he was massive in the overtime. And then last night, he just picked apart the first Wildcats defense. They had no stop for uh, any chance to stop him. Mm. He uh, he got to the spots he wanted to get to, and yeah, he was massive. I think 25, 10, five steals. So he's doing it on both ends of the court as well. Three assists, so... Yeah, I think now he's got Shea Ely back as well. It's going to take a lot more pressure off him, not having to bring the ball up every time. He can probably get back to playing his normal shooting guard spot. So uh, he had a massive weekend for, for Melbourne United. No, he, he certainly did. Okay, Matty, what that means is that we've got we've got a new joint leader in your award. Mitch Creek's now joint Derek Walden on top of the leaderboard. You pretty happy with that? Do you feel like those two six rounds in have probably been the two the two standouts? Well, yeah, Derek started very, very well. He's gone a bit quiet lately. Obviously, it's always tough when you've got a lot of a lot of good players around. You've got Xavier Cooks, big fella, Tim Suarez. Yeah. There's a lot of players around. Take those votes off. But um, 
And I think Mitch Creek's really playing himself into some form. And, yeah, if he continues to play that way and lead southeast, like I said, they can um, they can do some damage coming into the year. No, for sure. All right, Matty, it's been fun picking your brain once again. Thank you for your votes, and we'll do it all again next week. Thanks, Pikey. Okay, I'm back with Cody on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Let's take a quick look back at those Player of the Year award votes for, from Matty Knight, Cody. There were some big performances this week, but I have a feeling he did a pretty good job. He did. I think he, uh, he nailed it. Ratan Mays was unbelievable this weekend and it led to two big wins for, for United. And um, yeah, look, going down the list, Mitch Creek, Derek Pardon, Ryan Brockoff, and Sean Bruce, all very deserved vote getters this week. Um, look, there were some other, other decent performances around the league, but I find it very hard to, uh, to replace any of those guys that he's uh, mentioned there. So certainly uh, nailed it this week. No, good job, Matty. All right, Cody, massive week now coming up in the NBL, and it's the last weekend before the FIBA window, so mm-hmm. I feel like this is, a, this is a make or break time for a lot of teams, but also for players that, you know, like we talked about before, if you're, if you're Brady Manick, if you're George King, or if you're players that are struggling a little bit, um, this is the weekend to play well, because mm-hmm. over the FIBA window, the teams have got a chance to sit back and reflect a little bit and potentially make some changes, so mass, mass, massive weekend to come, and it starts on Thursday night, Back in the Winning Entertainment Centre in Wollongong, and yeah, I mean, the Yellowhawks Hawks have had a little bit of time to, to try to regroup after Saturday night's loss to Melbourne in double overtime, and on the back of those three straight losses by a combined 77 points. Mm-hmm. The Adelaide 36ers, though, like we talked about before, they arrived with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They've lost their last couple yeah. in a row as well, and they would be seeing this as a chance to try to get their get their move started and try to find some confidence. Oh, for sure. And massive game for both teams. You know, both trying to find their way a bit still, um, like we've mentioned. And it's a tough one, you know, especially on a Thursday night. The stadium probably isn't going to be rocking the way it usually is. Like on, it was on, on Saturday weekend. night. On Saturday night, it was. Yeah, exactly. You know, on the weekend, it's, it's a lot easier to have the families come out and um, get that place rocking. But on a Thursday night, it's a bit more quiet and... Uh, so it's going to be tough, but look, I think uh, I think at the end of the day, Adelaide's just got a bit too much talent um, for the Hawks on this one, and I think they get that. Do you feel like it's time for that front court? Do you try to get Daniel Johnson and Robert Franks to have a, have a big night? Because that front court's probably not the strength of the Hawks. Oh, you have to. They they have to start doing something. They have to be um, involved yeah. more. I think is is probably the big thing. And um, realistically, I think it's probably probably the game to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got Sam Froling in there who, who can hold his own defensively, but that's about it, really. I think you can, especially those two guys, can, can go at the rest of the Hawks' bigs and try to get their groove back. I thought that game had a lot riding on it. <laughs> Take a look at the next one. Yeah. Perth Wildcats on that four-game losing streak, back at home to host the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, who had been so good, they had a, a down day on Sunday over in Auckland against the New Zealand Breakers, so they'll be fired up to bounce back as well. Oh, yeah, boy, Cody, what are your thoughts on this one? Massive game, massive game, and it's it's an interesting one because you now RAC Arena all of a sudden isn't the fortress that it used to be. Yep. Teams come in here with confidence now, and it's uh, you know it's it's not something that we used to see. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, not something that the leagues used to see. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know it's it's improved in the past few home games they've had, but uh, probably not quite as packed out as it usually yeah. is, and. And it probably won't be on a Thursday night again. No, either. yeah, 100%. And, uh, 
you know, not as, probably not as loud as it usually is. And don't get me wrong, the place is usually still rocking, I'm sure. But uh, from what we're used to, I think. Yeah, this, this is a tough one because, like I said earlier, I think Tassie is probably, probably the second best defensive team in the league, you know, if not first. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a challenge for the Cats, definitely. But, you know. How much pressure is there on the Wildcats coming to this game? And can they turn it into a positive? Or is it, is it something that just jumps on your back and it's hard to carry? No, look, I think that if any team can use that as a positive, I think it's the Cats. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, with, with their core group that they've got, I think they know what it takes. I think it's just producing it on the floor is, is, is um, the big thing for them. So, look, I, I just think the way Tassie's been playing, a bit of anomaly against mm-hmm. New Zealand, but you know, New Zealand's the hot team in the league. I think Tassie get this one. Um, but I'm hoping we see a bit of a, an emergence of Brady Manic. It would be, mm-hmm. be really good to see. And I think um, this could certainly be the game for him, for him to do that. What does the Red Army sound like at the end of this game if they do lose? Do you start to hear some moans disc- and groans, moans and groans yeah. as, as the team's walking off the, off the floor? Look, I, I think you probably do. It's something that... Wildcats fans haven't really had to deal with in a long, long time. Yeah. So Even last year, it was only until the last second that they missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Until then, I think everyone still thought they were going, oh, to, sure. going to make it. Yeah, for sure, including us. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it's, um, it's a tough one. Perth fans are, are used to success. You know, you even go to the footy you know, with, with West Coast mm-hmm. and, and now Frio. Yeah. They're used to success. Yeah. So for a team to been so successful in the past to now be on this little bit of a slide. And I think there's always been a great correlation between Wildcat supporters and West Coast supporters. Yeah. I think there's always been yeah. that crossover. Very much so. Very much so. I think if they do drop this one, I think you're right. I think there will be some moans and groans as, as the team walks off the floor, mm. um, which obviously doesn't help. It doesn't no, help the players no. and anything like that. No, but, because no one's going out there trying to lose. No, not at all. Absolutely not. You know, it's such a proud history in, in the Cats that, you know, it's, it's tough to uphold. So, yeah, massive game for them. Mm. One game on Friday night, but it's going to be a beauty. The Cairns mm. Taipans back at home, where they fascinatingly haven't won still so far this season. They take on Melbourne United, who, as we talked about, are starting to, starting to build some, some momentum and starting to get some bodies back too. Yeah, they are. They've, they've had some, uh, some massive games and on the back of retirements, like we mentioned before. And... With Shaili inserted into the team, I think it probably gets the ball out of his hands a bit more. Mm. But I think he can just be just as effective for, for Melbourne. Cairns coming off probably what should have been a win for them, mm-hmm. you know, like like they would have expected. They probably mm. thought that they should win that game. They'll be coming in with something to prove. Uh, I think Cairns probably need to reward their fans with um, a win at home. Yep. Um, so look, I think Cairns get that one, but uh, I think it's a lot closer than what we thought it would have been. Taipan's front court dominated the last time these two teams played, and I, I think potentially with Keanu Pindas, Sam Wardenberg, DJ Hogan, then Majuk Deng backing mm-hmm. them up, I think potentially that's the best front court in the league. Yeah. And it's probably not the strength of Melbourne right now. They've no. got Isaac Humphreys, but you know Dave Barlow, David Aquera, um, and until their new import comes in, it's not their strength. So that could be where the Taipans really, really can get on top. Oh, for sure, for sure. And look, I think Humphreys has been really good for them this sure. year. I think he's stepped up big time. Aquera was really good mm. against the Cats. Yeah. He uh, didn't stuff the stat sheet, but he impacted that game massively. The uh, block shot on a, on a driving Bryce Cotton. That was massive. And just, just his activity, I think, was, was huge for Melbourne. And 
you know, his confidence is obviously sky high right now. But yeah, look, Dave Barlow seems that little bit step behind and his elbow seems to be bothering him still a yeah, little bit. But with his uh, expertise out there, it's, it's always tough. But look, the Taipans just have youth, athleticism mm. and just the want. So I think that, I think you're right. I think that um, that's probably going to be where they are going to look to exploit. Two more games on Saturday. Tough one for the Tasmania drag jumpers. Short turnaround coming back from Perth on Thursday night, but they're at home against a Brisbane Bullets team who all of a sudden, very fresh, having had more than a week in between games and also coming off those two wins against mm-hmm. the Illawarra Hawks. Yeah, and look, right now, I think Brizzy will take wins wherever they can get them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that probably not the best opponents, but a win's a win, sure. right? You can only play who's in front of you. And they did about so, you know, 60 points pretty much between the two games. Well, they did, they did. And they actually looked a lot better. So they look a lot better. Obviously, big congrats to my guy, Jay Skiddy, on 350. That's, mm. uh, that's huge, you know, especially considering lots of people, including himself, I'm sure, thought his career was going to be ended a lot sooner. It almost never started with the car accident he had. So, you know, um, for him to come out and, and be playing 350 is, is huge. So I'm um, proud of him for that and uh, big congrats. He's also probably been their best player so far this season. Yep, yep I think so. I think he's just he's been that level head for them. And... Um, yeah, it, it's really good to see. It's it's really good to see because you know he is an um, unbelievable player, but also an unbelievable human being. So it's uh, it's really good to see. This is a tough one for them, mm-hmm. but uh, look, I think with the short turnaround, I for the Jack Jumpers, I think Brisbane get this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one, but um, I, I think Brisbane get up for it. And, uh, it's a, it's a big test for them playing against mm-hmm. a legit opponent. This next one is going to be quite the one to watch, and the mm-hmm. ramifications could be significant. Depending on especially what happens between them both on Thursday night, if Adelaide is coming off a win or a loss, and same with the Perth Wildcats. But the 36 is at home to the Wildcats, the two oldest rivals in the league, and the ramifications, like I said, will be significant. And there's a lot riding on this game. And if there's been one game I advise you to not miss this whole season, I think it's this one. Yeah, I think so. And look, I think you'll be seeing some some players fighting for their life in this one. Mm. And look, for Adelaide, I think... Coming up against a Perth team who hasn't found its identity on defence yet will be a bit of a confidence booster for them. Mm. It's going to be tough to see who guards DJ and Franks because... Well, Brady Manning has to guard one of those two. Yeah, has to. And you know, we've seen a few times this season where teams have gone at him. Right, He's, he's not quite as, as quick laterally as, as some of the other bigs around the league. And these are two guys you need to stay in front of. Yeah. But two guys that you need to be able to stretch out to the three at guard because they're legitimate threats from out there. So, look, I think the Cats need to put together probably the best defensive effort of the year. Oh, jeez. That's a tough one. But last time Adelaide played at home, they lost by 29 points. They they're not going to want to do that again. No, not at all. Um, not at all. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much riding on it because especially if the Wildcats have lost on Thursday night, there's so much at stake. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's a, it's a big-time flip of the coin for mm-hmm. this one for me. Jeez, I don't like picking against the Cats twice, mm-hmm. even though they're on a four-game skid right now. Oh, I think... I reckon the Cats get that. I reckon they figure it out defensively, and I think they get that one. Again, you might hear the same rumblings inside Adelaide Entertainment Centre than you would then on, yeah. from RAC Arena on, on Thursday night, because 100%. this Adelaide team had a lot of, a lot of expectations. Well, they did. You know, you go over and beat an NBA team, you're yeah. going to come back with... Uh, 
you know, lots of expectations and even just the team that they've put on the floor, I think, should be top of the ladder right now. Yep. You know, they've got all the pieces that, you know, that need to be successful, including defensive guys, and it's just not clicking for them. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Very interesting game. <laughs> sure will. Um, so will this. First up on Sunday, well, both these games on Sunday, but it starts in Auckland. The New Zealand Breakers, the league-leading New Zealand Breakers, they're first and only game of this weekend. Um, up against the defending champion Sydney Kings, also playing their only game of the weekend. Gee, this is a cracker too. Massive game. Massive game, and um, this one's going to be exciting. And, you know, Abercrombie's return, hopefully that does actually yes, happen. Yes. Um, what sort of ovation does he get oh, massive, from the crowd? Big standing ovation, I think. Long-serving uh, captain of the, of the club now, and just, you know, I think what he's done for that club, even just the league in general, has mm. been unreal, and it's, good. it's going to be good to see him back on the floor. Um, and I'm sure the Breakers fans are going to be elated to see him back on the floor. And The most amazing thing is they're already the best defensive team in the league and he's probably their best defensive player. Yeah, I, I think uh, he's, he's certainly up there. So it'll be interesting to see how he slots into that. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be an exciting game and I think... Uh, Again, another tough one. I think I think the Breakers get up there at home. The return of, of their uh, leader. I think there's a, a lot riding on that one for them, and I think they get it. And then to close the round and to close this little hey. this little first segment of I guess the NBL season before the fever break, it's the first throwdown of the season. Melbourne United against the South East Melbourne Phoenix. No love lost between the two teams, but Melbourne will be. Pretty wary. They've had a tough schedule lately. The South East Melbourne Phoenix will be fresh and coming in on a four-game winning streak. How do you see it? Tough one. Very tough one. And, you know, Melbourne coming off a Friday night game in Cairns uh, is going to be tough. And you're right, South East with, uh, with their first game of the round. Full squad, full week of practice under their belt. I think, uh, I think they'll come in ready and raring to go. I think right now... Phoenix are probably playing better basketball, even though United has stepped it up a bit. I think uh, I think Southeast get that one, and uh, yeah, finish off this first little little part of the season um, with a bang. So hopefully it's a it's a good game. Yeah, going into the break with a five game winning streak would be a nice way to do it. So that's how round six is looking, Cody. Thanks to Hoop Seven for making this show possible. There was plenty to get through. I hope you all enjoyed getting our thoughts on what's happening in the world of the NBL. Thank you to Hoop7 for bringing the show to you. Um, we'll be back next week during the fever break to, to go through everything that we saw in round six, talk about the ramifications and talk about the boomers games that will be played in the fever window next weekend as well, Cody. But I'll wrap it up there and leave you with the, the final thoughts. Man, hopefully we can see uh, a few more overtimes this weekend because uh, you know this weekend just gone is going to be tough to beat, but uh, there's certainly some crackers coming up this weekend. So look... Lots on the line, lots on the line for some players, some teams, um, but we'll, uh, we'll see how all that goes.